In the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Would all the kids and teens up through the 12th grade please come forward. Hi. Hi. That's Cowboy. Oh, I see. That's not Cowboy. Yes. I mean, I have quarters. I have quarters. <laughs> it won't finish. <laughs> you did that on purpose. Good morning. Good morning. How's everybody? I want to ask you a question. Oh, there you are. So, let me, let's say I hired you to come rake my yard and you got there at 8 o'clock in the morning, and I told you I'm going to pay you $15 for however long it takes to get my yard leave free. Leave free. So you're raking, and you're raking, and you're raking, and you're sweating, and you're hot, and you're raking, and you're raking, and four hours go by. I'm not cold. I know you're not cold. Four hours go by. And then... And then um, Let's say you're the one I hired. Then I hired your sister. She came four hours later, and there were hardly any leaves left. And I said, I'll pay you if you help your sister. And so she starts raking, and all of a sudden, you're finished, like 10 minutes. And so, yeah, minutes. And then, so, so y'all come, come to the door, and I give you your $15. And then I give Marion her I give her $15 as well. What's the first thing you say? Oh, thank you. Way to go. Way to go. <laughs> what would you say? I'll say, okay, thanks for my money. I'm out of here. What about, <laughs> thanks for my money. I'm out of here. What would you say? Uh, that was hard work. That was hard work. You know what? I, ha I grew up with a lot of brothers I, and si one sister, a lot of them. So I know what we would say, and I know what my grandkids say. They say, that's not fair. <laughs> worked four hours, four hours and 10 minutes and got $15, and her sister worked for 15 minutes and got 10 minutes and got $15. Same amount. Is that fair? Did, so did I, so if I, did I do something wrong then? Not really? Tell me why I didn't do anything wrong. You're right, but tell me why. Because you didn't hire the, um, her sister the same time you hired her. That's right, but I told her how much would I pay her. $15. And what did I say to the older sister? That, you only, that, that I will pay her, right? $15. So it might not seem fair, right? Because sister worked, I mean... You worked four hours and ten minutes, and your sister worked only ten minutes. They both got the same amount of money. Okay, but, but it's, it's, it was my money, right, to give to her, to give to both of them? So it might not seem fair in our world, but it's like, let me say this. It's like, you know, I've been going to church all my life, and I've tried to love the Lord all my life, and I try to be in church every Sunday, and then all of a sudden, um, a 70-year-old person comes to church and falls in love with the Lord. 
Do I get angry with that? Should I get angry with that? No. No? I mean, because I've been doing it for 70 years. And he comes one time and falls in love with God and, and it changes his life. Should I get angry about that? No. No, I shouldn't get angry about that, should I? No. No? Why? Because. Because. Um. We should be happy, shouldn't we? Yeah. And yes. so when, you're, when your sister gets something that you don't get, should you say, that's unfair, or should you say, be happy for her? Be happy. Be happy. You, no. you, you, you would divide it. Yeah. That's nice. I pay toys. Oh, so you give five to each. That's a nice thing to do. But remember, we're talking about every day in life. Every day something goes on that doesn't seem, I see, that doesn't go on and that doesn't seem fair. But maybe we should be happy when someone else receives something that we don't receive. Like in school. Right? Think about it. It's a hard lesson. It's a hard lesson. That's right. So think about it. Pray about it. And let God work through you. Okay? Was that this? Yes. Okay. All right. Uh, go get a packet from Mr. Doremus over there if you want to. Thank you for coming up. Deacon Jennifer, you're on. I'm wondering if you shouldn't have asked them maybe what they were thinking rather than what they said. I think those are two different things, if I'm not mistaken. They would be for me, I know. And I definitely say to myself, I'm not working for him anymore. Lord, may these words reflect your mercy as I speak them and as they hear them. Good morning. You know how normally I like to take the three readings and I kind of like to pull that thread that connects them all and everything? Well, forget that. <laughs> this morning, I know, this, this week when I was working on my sermon, I got stuck, literally stuck in the book of Job, uh, Jonah, rather, although Job probably wasn't too far off. Um, and I just, it just kept going on and on in my head. So I'd like to delve into the book of Jonah and take a close look at it, because there are lessons to be learned, definitely. Now, our reading comes at the ending of Jonah. It's a short book, and it's a fast read. But we're going to do a review of the story first before I get into this. Jonah was a prophet during the time of Jeroboam. He had preached successfully to the Israelites and had received a call from God at that time to go to the city of Nineveh to preach repentance to them. Now, folks, recall that Nineveh was part of the Assyrian nation, their sworn enemy of the Israelites. So you can see why Jonah decided to hop ship the other way and rather than obey God, he was out of there. But God was not deterred. So Jonah got tossed off the ship when they discovered that it was because he had disobeyed God that the whole storm had come up anyway. And he found himself in the stomach of a huge fish for three days and then spat back on the land. And reluctantly, he made the 800-mile trek 
to Nineveh, which he should have done in the first place, right? So Jonah obeyed God, and he preached to the Ninevites that in 40 days they would be destroyed because of their wickedness. In fact, he said it this way, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. And then he sat back to watch the Ninevites laugh him out of town and go on about their wicked ways. Except they didn't. The Ninevites, from the highest king to the lowest servant, took Jonah at his word and declared a fast and put on burlap and ashes and repented to Jonah's God. The king sent out a decree that even the animals would fast and the people would pray earnestly to this God for mercy. And God saw this and he relented from destroying them. And that's where we are today in this reading. The book of Jonah is a great lesson on the mercy of God. We learn about this mercy from the actions of the sailors on the ship who prayed to Jonah's God to forgive them for everything they'd done and then forgive them for throwing Jonah overboard. And we learn about mercy from the people of Nineveh who repented to this God they'd never heard of before. But perhaps our greatest lesson comes from the actions of the prophet himself. And Jonah is angry as this reading begins. He's really ticked off that Nineveh might get away without being destroyed after all. He's already forgotten that he himself was spared from that fish. So he's complaining to God. He says, I didn't want to go to Nineveh in the first place because I knew you were going to do this. I knew you were going to be merciful. It's like watching a spoiled child not get his way with his parent. Or maybe it's like someone complaining about their hardships. What it's like trying to raise children in these days. Or watching someone get a blessing in their life that you have been praying for for years. Or about struggling to get your life in order after a huge shakeup while the others around you breeze through their lives. Maybe it's complaining about not enough money. Maybe it's complaining about too much work or no recognition or no breaks. Maybe we can understand Jonah's grumblings better than we thought. First, there are reasons that Jonah was upset. He had some good reasons. Number one, he hated the Ninevites. They were bitter enemies to Israel. Second, he had prophesied, and now that prophecy turned out to be false. And punishment in Israel for false prophets was death. And it wasn't even his fault. Third, he never gave Nineveh any hints about how to overturn God's judgment, but they found a way in spite of him. Can you understand how Jonah might be a bit angry? 
In our own lives, we feel that bitterness of being passed over for a promotion or of never being shown appreciation for our efforts or of trying to keep things together only to have someone else break the strings. It's disappointing at the least, and it's crushing at times. And it's no wonder Jonah says, just let me die now. But God is not going to let Jonah wallow in this anger and self-pity. He asks very gently, are you right in your anger? Can you hear those words in your ears? Are you right? Is this the way you think you should play this? Are you right to resent someone else's blessing? Are you right to resent the circumstances that God has you in? Are you right? Because the truth of the matter is, whatever situation you're in right now that's causing you grief, either you're right and it's not fair, or God is right and he knows what he's doing. Either you're right or God is right. Either the Jonah that resides in our hearts is correct in thinking that God made a mistake or we're forgetting something very important in our lives, what truly matters in our lives. But okay, let's say you still have a valid point. That's what Jonah thought. He hears God ask that question and he just walks off to the east side of the city and builds a booth so he can see what happens. He's going to give God another chance, a chance to make it right. Now, if I were God, this might have made me a bit snippy toward Jonah. Okay, maybe downright angry at Jonah, but I'm not God, thank heavens. And God uses a gentle object lesson to teach Jonah what he missed in that question. This huge shade plant grows up over Jonah's booth to protect him from the heat. Ah, Jonah thinks, this is nice. He goes to sleep, sure that God is showing agreement with him. Tomorrow, Nineveh falls except it doesn't. And the plant is eaten by a worm and scorched by the heat of an eastern wind, as is Jonah. And once again, Jonah is plunged into his despair as he cries out again, just kill me and get it over with. Anything is better than this. And again, God whispers gently, are you right to be upset that the plant is gone? But Jonah, acting first and thinking later, says, yes, I am angry enough to die. Wow, Jonah, I'm not sure I would have said that. And again, we are shown God's mercy for his servant, Jonah. He quietly reprimands him. You really cared about that plant, even though you didn't have anything to do with its planting or growing. 
Can you imagine how I feel toward a people that I created who have decided to repent? Can you understand how I love those 120,000 people a lot more than you love that plant? Mercy. Mercy on a nation that despised God's people. Mercy on a nation that had no idea who God was, but asked forgiveness of him anyway. Mercy on a man who spoke for God and still didn't get it. And for us, the truth is the same. Here is a God, our God, who chose not to punish us as we deserve, but gave his only son to take on our punishment. Here is a God whose mercy spares us in his act of sacrifice. Whatever our circumstances, and I am sure there are some whose circumstances are difficult, painful, tragic even, but whatever our circumstances, we are still spared by God from the worst that could happen to us. We are spared, not because of anything we did, but because of what Jesus did for us. And if you think that God loves you that much, and trust me, he does, imagine that he must love others just as much, even others who do not know him or his son. Take some time this week to observe the people around you. Go to a mall. Go out to eat at a restaurant and look around. Many, many of those people will one day be judged and condemned because they did not accept Christ. That should break your heart. We should not be content to rest in our own salvation while others go marching into everlasting agony. So what can we do? We can pray. Pray for them. Pray for the ones who've hurt you. Pray for those who don't know God. Pray for those that you don't know. Pray for the one who got that promotion over you, for the one who's done whatever. But don't stop there. Talk to people. Tell them about your Savior. St. Timothy's has made that easy for you through the Word one-to-one -one program. You don't have to evangelize. You just have to go through the book together. And guard the church against exclusivism. Those people with strange clothes or strange hair or strange accents are just as loved by God as you are. And when you see others, remember that you are just as undeserving of God's mercy as the next person. Without God's mercy, Nineveh would have perished. Without God's mercy, we all would perish. 
without God's mercy, those people who don't know Jesus will perish. We have a responsibility that comes with our great gift of Jesus. We should be willing to tell all the world about him, just as we can't wait to tell people about our new car or our new house. The gospel should be so much more to us than those things. Let God break your heart for those souls. Be willing to share the gospel with others. Be willing to shepherd those who are asking questions. Be ready to love those who may seem unlovable to you. We are all rescued through the mercy of God. The difference is, you know it. And you know the Savior. And that makes all the difference in the world. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.